Come and knock on our door. We've waiting for you. Welcome to Radio This Way, a catch podcast that brings you the latest and greatest news from the world of Syria and European soccer. My name is Michael D'Angelo, and with us as always, we have Mr. Chris Baselli. Hello, everybody. He's gone. We have Jiju Julian D'Angelo. <laughs> How's everybody doing? Can you hear me? We do not have... I can hear you now. Yeah. Yeah. We do not right, have... I'm, I'm back. Okay, good. We do not have uh, Paula Nobaloni Mangoni. Uh, because he is on sabbatical. Um, he has decided that uh, he would like to um, make a pilgrimage, uh, and he has made that pilgrimage um, to the motherland. Is that fair? Is that all fair to say, guys? I think so, yeah. Yes, and he's donating his RTW monies. Salary, yeah, to the World yeah. Cup. Yes. <laughs> to, <laughs> to Qatar. Because <laughs> they need more money. <laughs> have you seen their shacks? I have, yeah. It's luxurious. Yes. I'll have to ask. Uh, I do know somebody who's actually at the World Cup. So when we play soccer again, when he's back, we'll have to ask him how it went. If he's back. If he's back, <laughs> that is a good point. Because he might like it so much, he'll stay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's go with that. The warm weather. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, yes. Welcome to the show, everybody. <laughs> uh, we have quite the uh, show to get to because we have two weeks to the We have, of course, the World Cup coming up as well. So we, we're going to preview kind of that uh, in some way, um, even though uh, we know Italy's not in it. Uh, we still have uh, other interests <laughs> taking part in um, in the World Cup. So again, yeah, we'll get through... Uh, we'll get through that, um, and we will, I guess, really see where we're at after after we get all, all through all those things. Because, yeah, we, we've got a long break, guys, ahead of us. Sadly, we deserve right. it. I think it's <laughs> yes, yeah, we've earned it. <laughs> of course, <laughs> yeah, I guess so, right? Because the World Cup itself is four or five. Yeah, just uh, over four, I think. Yeah. It's- I want to say is it November twentieth? Uh, when's the final? That's a great question. We should probably know that. Let's check. I'm looking it up too. But yeah, I feel like with the break, like from when they last played Serie to when final they return, is the 18th. it'll be close to six weeks. Okay. Yeah, finals the eighteenth. Yeah, it's it. Are they coming back? Like, are they going to return for Christmas? I don't even remember now. Fuck. No, I think it's after the new year. Serie A kicks off again. That would make sense. Yeah. January 4th. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Okay. They're not that they're not as stupid as I thought they were. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Okay, well let's uh let's hammer this out. We got uh, we got a lot of show to get to. So um again, we'll start with uh match day 14, which was uh, an important match day as it was midweek. Uh, and that's where they like to hide all the big matches. Right, Chris? 
Uh, let's just hammer through these, uh, the matchups here. So Napoli uh, were host to Empoli uh, and Napoli won two, nothing. So uh, Lozano got a PK in the 69th minute. Uh, Luperto's second yellow card for Empoli uh, gave him a red. So they're playing one down and then Napoli close it off with Zielinski, uh, uh, a Zielinski goal in the 88th minute. So two nil. Uh, Spezia hosts to Udinese, tied 1-1. Rekha in the 33rd and uh, Lovrich in the 43rd. So first half is uh, what would remain. And another score that would remain was uh, powerhouse Cremonese host to Milan. Chris, what happened in that game quickly? Uh, honestly, Cremonese d- deserved a draw at the very least. Uh, Milan were very stale. A uh, bit of a rotated squad. Um, yeah. I wish that this was kind of the a game that would kick Milan in the ass a bit and uh, maybe change their mentality towards playing these smaller teams. But we'll, we'll see how that goes in the second half of the season. But no yeah. credit to, to Cremonese. Yeah, so and zero zero. Um, so they get uh, they split the points there. Uh, going into that was Tuesday's matches. So Wednesday we had Lecce host to Atlanta. Uh, that game ends two one for Lecce. So they they uh, slay the giant Atlanta. Um, so Basquerotto in the 28th, Di Francesco in the 30th uh, were the two goals for Lecce, and then Zapata goal in the first half as well in the 40th minute for Atlanta. Wouldn't be enough to uh, spur on the comeback, and again, that ends 2-1. to one. Uh, Next up, we had Sassuolo host Roma, uh, and uh, another game where a bigger team has dropped points here, and again, that's why the, these midweek games are huge not to lose focus because it's really easy to drop points in uh roma uh ends this game 1-1 tammy scores in the 80th uh but pinamonti ties it in the 85th for sassuolo so they uh they split the, split the points there uh we had fiorentina host to salernitana uh that game ends 2-1 for fiorentina but scores 50 minutes in dia in the 55th for salernitana ties it but then jovic in the 81st uh would be the winner for fiorentina Next up, we had Inter versus Bologna. Uh, now, Julian, anything special to note about this game uh, in particular? Um, one little quick kind of fun fact was this was Inter's first win this year um, coming from a trailing position. Interesting. That is interesting because they, they – so Bologna scores in the 22nd. Uh, Lika Janis scores. And you said it was like a deflection. Yeah, I forget who took the original shot, but it bounced off Liko Janis like literally 20, 25 yards out and took a huge deflection. Mm. Um, and it kind of felt like, oh no, here we go again. Right. Um, but then no enter. Jekyll got the goal back quickly, which was actually our goal of the week. Yeah. Well, so this match day. Yeah, a goal of a midweek, we'll call it. Um, but yeah, why don't we uh, we'll play that audio? So that's the, the goal of the match day 14. Uh, Jacko tying it for Inter here. Dumfries, good challenge, Veliko Yanis. Jekyll's volley, and it is an exquisite equaliser. And in Jekyll, rebalances the match into one, Bologna one. Yeah, so he picks the spot on the that, uh, the volley, which is really nice. He kind of goes uh, cross net and shovels it into the the far left corner after a cross coming from Dumfries. Yeah, it's like I 
I think I said last episode or two episodes ago, I know I ragged on Jekyll a lot, but he's actually been like, I don't know if I want to say monumental, but I seriously think he's been monumental this first half of the season for Inter because if they didn't have him, yeah, they would be much, much worse off. He's Um, been a good vice Lukaku. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) He's been a nice Um, Lukaku. (laughs) And he actually, just on a sidebar here, he might actually be rewarded. There's talks of him extending his contract for one more season. Now, do you like that? see how that plays out. I do. I think he can still be effective in a substitute role. Um, But they need to bring in another starter for next year. Whether or not that's Lukaku remains to be seen. But I think having him come off the bench is a good option. So I don't think uh, he needs to be... A, like compared to this player necessarily just because again he has his own um his own skill set and his own um i guess resume but i find his mentality very similar to like uh Mandzukic. and he was like a champion you know what i mean like he he went in and he he got the job done he knew what he had to do there was no quit with him too and i find like he, there's similar mentality there um although yeah, I'm not sure who has who would have had the higher ceiling necessarily, but it's uh, it's interesting to see how um, how much longevity he's had here too. Uh, considering you know coming from from Momo, we thought he was kind of you know closer to the end than than obviously the beginning. It's yeah, no, I I like that comparison. Actually, I always like Mandzukic. I don't know what it is with like. <laughs> I'm going to say the Balkans, but like, <laughs> yeah, a lot of them seem to be able to play into like an older age, no problem compared to, I mean, Pirlo and Totti obviously were exceptions, but right. like you look at Modric, you look at Mandzukic, you look at Dzeko, you look at Dario Serna, you, I don't know, Chris, I'm sure you can come. Rakitic is probably here. still kicking it around a decent club. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, but yeah, um, I would be more than willing to give them a contract extension. Right. Um but to get back on track here, um, yeah, so that kind of sparked Inter a little bit, and then they took the game over and ended up winning it 6-1. to one. Yeah, massive, huge, huge uh, route in the end there. So DeMarco in the 36th, uh, Letauro in the 42nd, so it's uh, 3-1 going into half, and then DeMarco again, uh, as soon as the half opens, the 48th minute, a PK in the 59th by uh, Chalanolu, and then a 76 minute from uh goal from Gosens. And that would round out the score in there for Inter. Uh okay, next up we had Torino host to Sampdoria. Torino get the full points here, 2-0 victory. Uh Radnich in the 29th and then Vlasic in the 59th would be enough for them. Uh on to Thursday's game. So we had Verona host to Juventus. Uh, and this game actually ended 1-0 uh for Juve after a tightly contested go- uh game. Keane scores in the 60th minute. Uh, Sandra actually gets a very late red card. Uh, there were some contentious moments, but we'll gloss over those and move on uh, as Juve wins one nothing. Apollo's not here, so we don't have to get into it. You, don't have to, you can scream Apollo on your own time, Chris. I, I already hear Paulo slamming the table when we skim over when we said skim over those contentious ones. <laughs> no, but he's he's glad to do that in this in this instance. <laughs> Though all, I'm sure he would be saying the refs were terrible and et cetera, et cetera. Because yes. it, it's probably it was probably true, but uh, I mean you don't need to say it. You know what I mean? It's always true. We'll say it for him. That's right. <laughs> That's terrible. Uh, okay, next up we had Lazio, who were host to Monza. 
and they came up victorious 1-0. So Romero in the 69th minute would be enough for Lazio to take uh, the victory over Monza. So again, that's match day 14. Uh, let's move on to uh, match day 15. Which So the last game of match day 14 was Thursday. Uh, and the first game of match day 15 was Friday. So we had a long week of Serie A. It was glorious. There's a no time. There's no, there's no time Relax. for Empoli and Cremonese who played <laughs> on Friday. Uh, so it's right. Yeah. Well, it's a battle for sure. I mean, Cremonese um, coming off some uh, big point getters, three wins in a row, or three, sorry, three wins. Yeah, they wish. Uh, three draws in a row. So at least they're getting points there, but uh, they come up empty handed in this one. Empoli score uh, in the 46th. Um, Cambiaghi and then Parisi late in the 88th uh, would make it 2 0 for Empoli. And that's all she wrote. Uh, so Empoli are um, in 13th right now. So they're, they're not doing too shabby. Uh, they're about 10 points. Yeah, they're 10 points clear right now of 18th position. So they're uh, them and Monza. I think are really uh, trying to, um, I guess, space themselves out from that bottom of the table there for sure. Uh, okay, we got on Saturday Napoli host to Udinese, uh, and this was uh, seemingly all all in Napoli's favor uh, early and often. Osman in the fifteenth minute made a one nothing. Zelinski in the thirty first two nothing. Uh, early in the second half, fifty eighth minute, Elmas scores to make it three nothing, but. Udinese came back. Nestorovsky in the 79th minute. And then uh, Samardzic in the 82nd minute. Uh, made it 3-2. Chris, did you watch this one? No. I, I'm, I, remember, I can't remember. Maybe it was Paula talking about it. But it seemed like, again, Napoli were potentially going to blow it. And that was going to be good for us. But then they didn't. <laughs> and, you know, like, it's... Again, full credit to them because they are just doing, they still have not lost this season. But uh, even beyond that, they've only got two draws, I think. So, again, they just maintain their pace. They, they go out and take care of business. It's, it's, a, it's a really, it's a different Napoli, I think, than we've seen. I, Let's, yeah. I'll, I'll go back to what, <clears throat> excuse me, what we've probably talked about in, in recent ones is it, it's different, yes. And it's just a matter of can they, can they sustain this in the second half of the season, right? We, we've seen the Saudi teams and even, you know, Spalletti and Napoli at the year, and it's just always that, that case of not being able yeah. to sustain it the second half of the year. So uh, I, I I hope they do. I, I want to say Napoli club and their supporters deserve a Scudetto, but... Uh... <laughs> yeah, and again, like we, we mentioned, I think, last week that, like, coming into this break, uh, you know, Obviously, coming in strong is great, uh, but it's probably not a good space for them because, again, you know they can maintain and really keep their eye on everything. Meanwhile, now because there's a break, it, it has the potential to do like Lazio um, a couple seasons ago when they were, you know, doing really well, and then the uh, that COVID break happened, right? And then no one could really uh, tell. I mean, no one knew what happened to Lazio, but we just knew that they fell off hard. So. It's, yeah, it could be both good and bad, giving Napoli a little bit of a rest going into the rest of it. But it's, uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see where we go. Okay, next up, we had 
Um, Sampdoria host to Lecce. Uh, this game ends 2-0 for Lecce. So they get uh, in a, a, another relegation battle. Uh, so Sampdoria for sure not doing well here. But uh, 45th minute, Colombo scores. Uh, and then 83rd, Banda scores for Lecce. So again, Sampdoria here are are in a tough position. They're in second last, only six points. Meanwhile, Lecce are now with 15 points with this win. So again, 15 points after 15 games played is not horrible if you're trying to maintain uh, Serie A status. Um, but again, it's not looking great for Sam. Your boy, yeah, Julian. Yeah, rumors um, they may already be looking to sack Stankovic. He yeah. came out Jeez. and said if he's the issue, he will gladly step aside. So I think he's hinting at the fact that he is not the issue. <laughs> Passive aggressive. Yeah, maybe he's trying to get them to call his bluff, though. <laughs> so uh, he can maybe. get a couple years' I mean, salary. Yeah, that's right. Ship, I do kind of <laughs> kind of feel bad that, like, not well, yeah. Like I always like to think of it. It's his first Serie A job, and I mean, Samp is not a good team this year. And sorry, Mike, did you say Lecce are on fifteen points from fifteen games? Yep. So, <laughs> but yeah, because... like I know the fans were mad at. Uh, help me out here. I'm drawing a blank on the owner's name. Ferrero, Maximo Ferrero. For yeah, the oh, guy who owner. Well, n- well, not anymore. Now he's uh, in prison. Isn't he? I That's don't right. think yet. I saw a few weeks ago that he was being like. Almost chased out of the stadium by a lot of his fans. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> like, like a Muppet would be chased by something? <laughs> kind of. I mean, he obviously had security around him, but there were fans following right. him and yelling at him. <laughs> God. So, yeah, I think that describes the state of, uh, of them right now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, let's uh, let's move on here. So, we had uh, the next game was Bologna host to Sassuolo. Um, so Bologna obviously coming off uh, a friggin' um, lashing against uh, Inter um, and Sassuolo. I believe did we say they they tied last week against Roma? Against Roma, right? So again, a couple big game, a uh, couple important results for both sides. It was important for the wrong reasons for Bologna, um, but Sassuolo able to kind of take some points there from Roma. Uh, either way. Um, Bologna came out uh, strong in this one. Absher in the 30th minute uh, scored the opener. And then Arnautovic in the second half made it uh, 2-0. And then Ferguson uh, actually gets our goal of the match day. And uh, Julian, why do you find this one to be so uh, spectacular? (laughs) Um, I'll try and do my best Paulo impression here. It's a very nice (laughs) tiragir. (laughs) Tiragir. <laughs> um, but yeah, like a nice corner of the box, a nice kind of right footed curler into the opposite corner of the net. Um, they're always very nice when you hit those. Yeah. So here I'll, uh, here's the audio of that, uh, the third goal for Bologna, uh, from Ferguson to, uh, to snag the goal of the match day. Arnautovic. Dominguez returns in this attempt. An early Christmas present. Ferguson. Fantastic curly goal. Slow motion. Defeats Consili in the air and delights the Dallara. So, I mean, it was close to Tirajid. I'd say it was more like a give and go gone really right for them. <laughs> <laughs> 
it was uh yeah it was really nice so he kind of comes in and yeah like you said slots to cross the the goal and and uh yeah finds the back of the net on a very Bologna nice man. very nice shot yeah they're striking gold with these scottish kids yeah ferguson <laughs> that's pretty good was, yeah was it good <laughs> yeah i've been practicing <laughs> ferguson. I like it. yeah lewis yeah. lewis ferguson anyways uh three nothing Bologna how it ends uh on Saturday. So again going into Sunday, we had uh the bulk of matches here because of like the, the midweek uh action. So first game was uh another uh, heavily touted game, uh Atlanta host to enter. Uh and Julian, do you want to um go into any depth on this or what are you thinking? Um I can Quickly overview the game. Um, one second here. I'm just pulling it up. So I did I did try and wake up early to watch this one, but unfortunately that uh, <laughs> isn't always the best for me because I'm not a morning person, to say the least. <laughs> um, so but... I got up 7.30 and started it then, so it wasn't too, too bad. Okay, but you still watch it from the beginning instead of us, instead of being half asleep at 6.30. Exactly. Yeah. Smart. Um, it's a better move. Yeah, exactly. Um, so DeBray gave away a really cheap, cheap PK uh, early on, and Lookman was able to put it away, no problem. Um, again, Inter's recent form, especially their away form, hasn't been good. They hadn't beaten the top team yet this season. Um, so similarly to Bologna, you start to think like, oh no, here we go again. Um, but then of course the man of the hour, Ed and Jekyll bails them out. Um, I think Chalinoglu whipped it in, Lotaro flicked it on, um, and Jekyll made the back run post and was able to tap it in. He then scores again in the 56th minute. This one was a little bit lucky. Uh, DeMarco crossed it in. I think it was Male went to go clear it and ended up actually kicking it off of Jekko. They were both kind of running towards the net. Um, and it just crossed the line. And then Inter go 3-1 to one up late, um, this time another corner. Similarly to Lataro's goal against Bologna, he jumps up and gets to it. Um, and then it deflects off Palomino, who ends up putting it into his own net. Um, he did almost redeem himself, though, because he scored the second goal for Atalanta in the 77th minute, um, but Inter would then hang on for the 3-2 victory. So big, big win for them, um, especially going into the break now kind of keeps pace with everybody else. Was It, it was last year, right, that uh, I had that bet about uh, Deco hitting double digits? Yeah. So he's already, he's at six now. Uh, I like yeah, I like his odds to do it again. He might depends if uh, Lukaku ever decides he wants to play again, but yeah, <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, um, but yeah, no, he's been since Lukaku's injury and then Korea's injury, he's been very, very good. Yeah, again, he just steps up, right? And that's that's what you need, especially in a season where you're not as dominant again as you could have been. Um, and you know you see yourself like slipping into like middle of the pack status like you need someone to kind of step up and and really pull the team with with them right and that's kind of what he's done yeah for sure impressive uh okay sure uh let's look at uh next up we have verona who are host to spezia 
Uh, this game ends 2-1 for Spezia. So Verona actually get the first goal, though, in the 30th minute. Uh, but then an Imbalanzola brace uh, would see Spezia the winners in the 53rd and then the 69th. So again, that ends 2-1. to one. Uh, Spezia are currently with that win, uh, four points, or sorry, three, six points, um, six points up on, uh, Cremonese for the last position there. Uh, oh, sorry. The last, the last safe position. So they're, they're <laughs> in 16th position. there. Uh, okay. Monza Salernitana is next and, uh, Monza actually, again, uh, a kind of, I guess, pseudo, um, relegation ish battle because again, these teams could have been uh, struggling for points. Uh, and again, Monza comes out victorious here. So they have uh, a goal from Carlos Augusto, 24 minutes in makes a one, nothing um, Danny Mata in the 35th made a two, nothing to go into the second half. And then uh, Kadriv actually gets a red card um, in the second half for a, a second yellow, I guess, but I, I believe it's around the same time that Piscina gets uh, the PK here. So it, it, it would re- be a result from that challenge. Uh, and uh, it ends three nil for Monza. So again, some time when th- there's certain clubs that have been able to kind of find uh, their form when they need to, and, and really cement themselves above the rest uh, of the bottom half of the table, right? So Monsters are one of those teams. They've got 16 points now uh, after 15 games, which again, sees them in 14th position. So that, that's for sure where they would want or would have hoped to be at this point. Okay. Any notes? Well, I know we're, we're blowing through these, but any notes before we continue on? Julian. Um, I just wanted to mention over the Spezia game, um, Bartolome Dragovsky. <clears throat> Looked much, much worse than it was. Right. I thought yep. everybody thought he broke his ankle, but somehow it only dislocated, which I think is better. Um, <laughs> but he's obviously probably, he's missing the World Cup, unfortunately, which is brutal for him. Um, and he might be out for a little bit after that, but at least I think it's better than a broken ankle. Yeah, I don't remember the timelines that I saw. Chris, did you happen to see? I I didn't see the timelines, but as someone who has broken their ankle, oh, tell um, us about every tell us every part of it. What happened? Oh, uh, well, how did the, it feel? The worst part is my dad. Gave, oh God! Watch it back a couple months later. What happens? Oh God! <laughs> my ankle breaking. Ooh, you hear the snap. That's Fantastic. But, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but what, what I was, was going to say, and I, I feel like I've heard this from from medical, that be better uh, your ankle than kind of spraining it, because at least with a break, It can heal like the right way. Recover. Right. Bone versus sprain. And those can, uh, I guess, linger. it's easier for, for that injury to, to, to recur. So, um, right. while I'm sure... Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm sure, sure it's, 
uh, for right now, he's happy that he didn't break it, but I think in the long term, in the long run, that might be something where it ends up being a recurring injury. But he's also a professional athlete, so that might not apply. But that's my uh, WebMD <laughs> uh, session for today. Your the story <laughs> of you uh, having to rewatch <laughs> your your horrible, horrible injury. Um, Julian, can you imagine that we had to do the same thing? <laughs> We, so we you were both... just able to go and watch your oh god, um, tear ACLs over and over and over. <laughs> I would actually like to see it though. I, I know Chris uh, probably didn't like to see his, but I think I would like to see so that oh god oh, something's happening here. Do you have that feedback too? Okay, good. Yeah, I did. Um, it would be f- weird to see. I think. But like interesting because I'd like to see exactly where it went wrong and where my life changed, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I think it'd be uh, cool to see exactly like what happened. Not what happened. I mean, I know what happened, what I did, but yeah. like it looked like such a harmless thing at the time. Right. Oh God. Anyways, let's move on. <laughs> Uh, so next up on Sunday, we had Roma host to Torino. Uh, that game actually ended uh, 1-1. So Torino scores first, the 55th, Lanetti. And then uh, Matic late in the 90th uh, ties it up for Roma to uh, to pull the result. So again, Roma at least don't, uh, uh, don't lose as much as they could in this scenario. They at least gain a point instead of uh, losing out on on uh, all three. Uh, but again, not great after tying uh, Sassuolo last week as well, but it is what it is. They've, uh, I think they're going into the break at the right time coming off uh, two draws and a loss in the last three Serie A matches. So it, it's, it's a good time for them to kind of take a, take a break and really reassess and, and kind of get ready for, for the new year. Uh, okay. Next up, we had a, another very, very contentious game. Chris, what happened? <laughs> Milan hosts <the> Fiorentina. <laughs> Nothing. We can just move on. And uh, <laughs> uh, look, the Tamori tackle is a foul. Um, I I'm very surprised it didn't get called as a penalty. I can I think that's very clear for most people. Um, what I will say, um, I mean, ent- entertaining game overall. Um, obviously there's, there's controversy around the, the non-call for Tomori on, I think it was Ikone. I think so. Yeah. Um, what I will say, and I, I think you'll disagree, Julian, is I, I don't think there was enough in that winning goal from that, uh, that exchange there with Rebic and Terracciano. I didn't see enough there. And maybe there's an angle that I haven't seen, but I don't see how they could have called that back to say that Rebic um, clearly, you know, impacted what Teta Chano could or couldn't do. I think it was a bit of a reckless, not reckless challenge from Teta Chano, that's the wrong word, but uh, I don't think he did well enough coming out. I thought he could have dealt with that better. Um so yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of leave it at that because I, I, I know we can definitely go on, but I'm curious to know what you guys think. Uh, everybody's eardrums are spared this week because Paulo's not on. <laughs> um, so, um, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm curious to know what you guys think. 
I think I remember Julian uh, chatting through this. I think you you thought it was going to get called back. So I can understand why, like like Chris said, like there's not enough to overturn it. And again, I agree that's our typical um, far thing, right? Is there enough to is there enough in it for them to say that it's a clear and obvious error? Yeah. No. I'm just kind of surprised, to be honest, it wasn't called on the field because normally any type of slight interference, regardless of how slight it is with a keeper, is called. That's fair. That's fair. I think, and I guess I'd have to go back and look at it, but it's possible that from the referee's angle, he could tell that, and I I keep using the word reckless, and it's not the word I I want to use, but I'm going to use the word reckless. Maybe he saw kind of how reckless Tedachano was with how he came out and was able to identify that it was just a poor um, attempt. Decision. Him, yeah, a poor decision. And it was a poor attempt at him trying to catch or punch the ball. And that Rebic was genuinely just trying to go for the ball and, and happened to be involved in the collision. Um, but no, you, you are right, Julian. Typically, anytime there's any contact on the goalkeeper, the, the referees... Uh, are there to protect them, and you kind of have to rely on VAR to to go the other way. So um, that's a good point. I think reckless is is probably an accurate description because it, it's it's almost like again he's uh, he made the decision to you know to make that challenge, and again then he has to deal with those repercussions. And I I don't mind that being the call to be honest. I just would want that to be consistent as well. You know what I mean? Like, it, yep. cause I, I don't want that to happen this game and the next game, something stupid to happen that, you know, uh, gives, you know, gives into the win instead of something. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. it, it just, it's, it's the inconsistency. I think where the issues would be. So if, if that's a decision making across the league, great. But if it's like a, you know, a one-off, and then next time that is going to get called, then that's frustrating for everybody, right? Because no one can expect, no one can know what to expect. Yeah, and I, I think uh, for Fiorentina specifically, I mean, obviously they didn't have that fantastic start to the season, and uh, I, I can imagine being a Fiorentina fan, you know, you're, you think you're coming away with a point, if not three points, uh, at, at the San Siro, and then you come away with nothing um, going into the break. So, um I want to say a draw would have been fair if, if anything, a, a win for Fiorentina. So the three points for Milan is, is definitely a stolen three points. But um, again, I'll, I'll reference uh, Ilcano, Paulo's famous quote it all balances out in the end. So uh, he'll <laughs> smile hearing that. That's right. He'll smile up in uh, uh, sabbatical heaven. Is that where he is? <laughs> sure. <laughs> Uh, okay, speaking of uh, taking all three points and running, um, Juve were host to Lazio uh, in the final match of uh, this match day and of uh, the first, I guess, before the break of Serie A. Uh, and yeah, and actually uh, a good showing from Juve. Uh, they come out 3-0 victors. Keane gets a brace. Uh, Milik in the 89th gets the last final goal. But uh, yeah, again, uh, Juve find a way to not fuck up um <laughs> and it's it's interesting because now i think there are six in a row six victories in a row so where we were talking about uh a couple weeks ago how important you know the game against inter was for example and and you know that there was going to be um some implications from that that from that uh match i guess 
you kind of see how much that really led into this run of form because now with that victory, they're, they jump up to third place. So they, Napoli are still commanding uh, 41 points. So again, they've had, they haven't lost. They've only drawn twice. So uh, they, yeah, 41 points after 15 games. Incredible. Uh, Milan find themselves in second with 33 points. And then in third place is Juventus with 31. Now that uh, is in part because they, they beat Lazio who were in that position. And now, uh, Lazio are in fourth with that loss with 30 and they're tied with Inter 30 points uh, and the top six rounds out with Atlanta 27 who are tied with Roma technically. So again, it's, it was such a, it, it was a really interesting game week for all of these teams who find themselves just log jammed uh, from two to seven. Um, but Again, you may find a way to to just sneak <laughs> sneak up on everybody and not, despite all the chatter surrounding, you know, Allegri, et cetera, and and, and honestly, their performances for the first little bit of the, the season, um, they find themselves right in the mix. You know, it's, hey, it's he was, surprising. Uh, Allegri was named manager of the month. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah, you don't get style points for what he does, but like you said, he's won. So, yeah. Um, but no, I'll I'll, uh, I'll steal another Paulo-ism. Um, I love how you didn't mention the Danilo handball, as <laughs> yeah, yeah. Paulo often there says when he claims there, there were seven red cards and <laughs> eight goals that should have been called back from Milan. But, um, I mean, you guys all saw, all saw the Danilo handball. What handball? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean... I guess we don't need to debate whether it should have been called or not, or am I, can I, can I assume we're, we're beyond that? Sorry, we're beyond what? Debating whether it should have been called or not. We're not beyond anything <laughs> on this podcast. <laughs> so the reason I, I ask is because of my next question is what was the more obvious call? The handball on Danilo or the, tackle from Tomori on Ikone like in your opinions like what yeah what was the more obvious call what's the easier call to make what makes Sedia look more of Worse. a fool for missing yeah <laughs> for me it's the handball I think both are bad but yeah for me, oh, they're handball. both terrible of course um so handball Mike what do you think yeah I, I kind of <laughs> agree because Paul is not here I can agree yeah. but <laughs> well we know what he would pick just out, yeah. of, out of spite out of spite um, purely so, so purely we'll give spite. Tamori one vote because I, I agree I think it's the handball so th- three to one Paulo you still get a vote <laughs> that's right yeah I mean it's uh I don't know it, it's you can't really argue that it, it's really blatant right so mm-hmm. it, it, whereas the other one again I can understand why there is not or you know that just that there's content more contention in that one i think this one is more should have been called and missed but hey i'll take it it all balances out <laughs> it all, all balances out. <laughs> that's right oh paul would be so proud yeah <laughs> oh god okay so that's uh yeah um the first uh part of the season has has concluded 15 games are over just like that uh, and now we go into the the World Cup break, uh, whereas a lot of these players may be participating, but uh, the actual league is not, um, of course. I mean, as they wouldn't because it's, it's not a league thing. But uh, Italy, of course, are not in it. So, so a lot of them are uh, now talking, I think, like having some friendlies possibly and 
all this uh, fun stuff that is uh, irrelevant, maybe just to keep uh, keep people busy over the break. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, again, Napoli, full value for their their run uh, to this spot. We'll call it the World Cup champions. Is that, uh, that winter champions? World <laughs> Cup. Yeah. World Cup champions. I like it. <laughs> Napoli, World Cup champions. Heard it here first. That's right. Um, but uh, yeah, on the polar opposite end of that scale, Verona are really having a horror show um, of a season. So they probably, again, also are uh, looking forward to, to maybe recovering uh, in January onwards. Uh, Samp, again, not that much better. Six points to Verona's five, and then Cremonese with seven are really struggling. Uh, but yeah, again, we go into this break, and, and it'll be uh, it'll be important for a lot of these teams to kind of really figure out uh, what their, you know, what, what are their goals here? Because, you know, you have a lot of teams who are still competing on multiple fronts here. Um, and not, uh, not to say that Napoli can't maintain their form of, of being dominant everywhere, but, you know, it's, it's not as likely. Um, but I guess we can see what, what comes in, in the new year. Okay. Uh, what are we at? Let's, uh, what, do, what do we think, guys? Do you want to power through here? Do you want to, what do we take a quick, quick break? We'll just reshuffle here. Um, and then uh, we'll come back. We'll, we'll we'll hammer through some World Cup stuff. Sounds, Sounds good. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Take a quick break. And we'll be right back. I want to party eight days a week is what he said. <laughs> we will be partying eight days a week as we will lose time uh, or lose track of time at least um, regarding uh, what's happening with the uh, the World Cup because it's it's there's games happening and then there's uh you know other games happening <laughs> i guess that's all that happens in the world cup but uh it's it's game one day and then you don't play and I, I think for the next couple days so you got some time etc cetera, etc cetera. so it's uh you lose track of of time very easily and it's only a month it's crazy very crazy goes by quick yeah uh okay so what we'll do is um Let's uh, yeah, let's power through. So, Chris, you explain kind of what we're what we're trying to accomplish here. Yeah. So, what we're going to do is uh, we're not going to go group by group or anything. We're just going to pick uh, who we think is going to win the World Cup. Um, next, we're going to pick who we think is kind of a, a dark horse team to either win or a team that's going to surprise us in a good way, and then uh, one country we think is going to be a flop. So, somebody who. Uh, you know, typically does well or is expected to do well and won't do as well. Um, so I can go first if, if you want, or that's one of you guys wants to go. Mm, Julian, yeah, what do you think? Ahead. Yeah. Okay. Chris, go ahead. Yes. Uh, so I am picking Argentina to win. 
Um, I should have gone it's first. Bit, it's a bit of an emotional <laughs> pick, more so because I, I just want. <laughs> yeah, fuck. <laughs> Did all of us pick our? Yeah, I think okay. so. Yeah. We'll, we'll 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 re-record. Everybody pick a new one. <laughs> no, no, I'm kidding. Uh, I I mainly just want Messi to win. I, I don't care about the other 25 players. I I just want him to uh, to win. Uh, I'm pretty sure he's confirmed it's his last uh, World Cup. So uh, that's you know one major trophy that's eluded him. Uh, so Argentina as the winner. Um, a country who I think is going to surprise. Um, it's another South American country, one that normally defends well, but I think has enough talent to, you know, kind of come out ahead in those tight games is uh, Uruguay. Um, obviously, you know, we know about Suarez and, and Cavani, who are, you know, a bit older, of course, but there's Liverpool's uh, Darwin Nunez, um, Inter legend Matias Vecino is there. Uh, Valverde from Real Madrid, Lucas Torreira, Bentancur, who again I know Paulo would would slam the table if if, if he heard his name. <laughs> uh, but then in the back uh, they do have Araujo from Barcelona, uh, Jose Maria Jimenez from Atletico Madrid, uh, and I believe Godin is still there. I know he's not playing at the highest levels right now, but uh, he does. When it comes to just pure defending, we talk about old school defending, kind of like Chiellini. Uh, I kind of lump Godin in that same that same bucket. So um, without rambling on, uh, yeah, I think Uruguay might, might surprise teams. Um, they don't have the easiest group. I mean, Ghana and Korea aren't uh, slouch, <clears throat> slouches and, and Portugal is obviously talented. Um, so then the country that I think is going to flop uh, is a country that you could argue they're already out of their golden age or they're, they're just about to exit their golden age. And that's Belgium. Um, I just don't, I don't think they have the firepower to go deep into the tournament. Uh, you know, they should be expected to come out of their group. Uh, I don't think you can say they're guaranteed to come in first. Croatia are obviously very strong. So, um, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if, if Belgium go out in the quarterfinal, um, you know, potentially in the round of 16, depending on who they draw. Uh, I think if they come in second and draw, uh, you know, a Germany or a Spain, I don't know if it lines up that way. Um. They'd, they'd be in for a tough battle. So Argentina to win, Uruguay to surprise everybody in a good way, Belgium to surprise everybody in a bad way. Okay, Who's next? Fair enough. Yeah, Julian, you go, just so uh, I can <laughs> make it different. Yeah. Audible, yeah. <laughs> um, so I was also thinking Argentina, and I, yeah, like you said, I would love to see Messi win, um, plus Lotaro's there, so if an interplayer wins. Actually, just sidebar, I saw a stat. I think it was every World Cup since, I want to say, like, mid-1980s. Yeah, or something like that. Yeah, a player, the only two clubs that have had a player at each World Cup final are Inter and Bayern, yeah. oddly enough. Crazy. Inter almost lost it in 2014, but Rodrigo, what, yeah, Rodrigo Palacios did. Bravo. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, so I do think Argentina, um, but I also feel like Spain can surprise a lot of people. I'm just going to throw them in um, as well. I thought they had a very good Euro Cup, and honestly, we're unlucky to go to PKs against Italy, so I think they're going to grow on that tournament. Um, underdog, I'm going to go Senegal here. I think they've got a talented squad, and they kind of got matched in Group A against Qatar, uh, Netherlands, and Ecuador. So I think they should come through that group, and I think their squad is talented enough where they could 
upset whoever they were to meet in the knockout phase. Um, disappointment. I'm going to go the. Think they're going to get out of their group. The Americans. Um, yeah, like I think England <laughs> and Wales will finish ahead of them. Um, I know they're supposed to have their own golden generation starting now, but I I don't see it just yet. Okay. I appreciate you uh, uh, leaving some some teams on the table here. So again, I, I also <laughs> I also um, pegged Argentina. I think uh, not only, and I don't want to. I don't mean to say this um, because it's Qatar, et cetera, uh, and money f- where the money flows like wine. Um, I just think that not not saying that it's fixed by any means, but I feel like they're going to really try and get messy um, a World Cup. Uh, but yeah, outside of those things, I think you guys already touched upon um really they, they they've always kind of had that that kind of depth and and i think that uh, as the team is is going to find a rallying point i think around messi if this is his last tournament etc so it'll be uh it's it's a not a slam dunk but it's it's definitely as close to a um as close to a i think it will happen that i can get uh, now who is, uh, who's going to be like the pleasant surprise. Actually, I, I think Canada is going to be fun to watch in this tournament. I think we're all kind of expecting, uh, nothing, which is great, right? Are we not <laughs> expecting nothing? <laughs> I hope. Um, but either way, I, I think it's coming, oh, going in the first place is, uh, fantastic. I think anything now is gravy, uh, and, I really think again, not that they have a shot at the group necessarily, but they definitely have um, an opportunity to pick up points and actually make it a successful uh, showing, the most successful showing at least for Canada at a World Cup. So I think that'll be a very positive. And and again, who knows if they, like I said, if Chris Chris mentioned that Belgium might be the one to, to shit the bed here, if they end up doing, if they end up shitting the bed and it's in Canada's favor, I wouldn't be surprised, um, just based on. Again, uh, the quality that Canada was able to show leading up to the tournament. I'm not very optimistic um, in any means uh, to see them go far, but I think they could. I think they could possibly squeak out in second. Um, and my, uh, I guess, vote for who I think is going to be the biggest disappointment. I don't know if it's hope or if it's uh, just, again, maybe it's just kind of what we've from what I've seen leading into the tournament, I think Portugal is probably going to do poorly. I, I think they, uh, they have uh, a lot of um, bad press in their, in their squad with Ronaldo. Uh, and, you know, I, I feel like there's going to be a lot of just a lot of noise happening. Um, and I, I just don't see them using that to their advantage, if that makes sense. And, and Again, they have they have a decent squad too, a young squad as well. Uh, but to Julian's point, I, f- I feel like Spain is uh, the team that you know really would be able to, I guess, surprise more than Portugal would. So again, I'm I'm pegging them as they're they're going to do perform poorly because they have Ronaldo on their team. That's really it. <laughs> uh, okay, so that's it. So so we all pegged. Uh, Argentina, and then you, Julian, you also hedge by saying Spain? I mean, yeah, Argentina is my favorite, but I I think Spain, honestly, they surprised me at the Euros, and I yeah. 
yeah, I think they're only going to build on that tournament. Yeah, fair. What do we What do we think just generally about Canada's shot here, guys? <laughs> I, I don't think they get out of the group to be honest. <laughs> yeah, no. I was looking, do you, but no, do you think like third, thought, third or fourth? I think fourth. I was looking at the Morocco yeah. squad, and I was like, yeah, even the Morocco squad is quietly a very good squad. Well, it's uh, is what's his name still on it? Hakimi. Yeah, and uh, isn't uh, isn't Benatia Moroccan? Oh, I don't think Benatia is still playing. No, um, Hakimi's there. They have the edge, and they have like I was just going through their squad, and they have is Amrabat there. Yeah. Amrabat's there. They have a lot of guys who are just playing in the top five leagues in Europe who might not necessarily be stars, but they're still playing there. Yeah. I don't think Canada will get out of the group, but to kind of to, to your point there, Julian, talking about you know Morocco having players in top five leagues, I think, yeah, player for player, you could definitely make the argument that Morocco are stronger based on, you know, how many players they have in the top five leagues. But one comment that uh, Roberto Martinez, who's managing Belgium, unless he's been sacked recently, uh, <laughs> said towards the end of the qualifying campaigns was that, uh, and I think this was just after the groups were drawn, and this is why he was talking about Canada, was that he said what makes, uh, part of what makes Canada so dangerous outside of, you know, the, the Alfonso Davies and the Jonathan Davids of the world is <clears throat> that they, they play and act like a club team, right? And right. I think part of the issue that you know every national team manager has is that they only get to see the players for X number of weeks per year, and they get X number of competitive games. So sometimes it's hard to to build that that culture and to get people to buy in, and and you know so on and so forth. But uh, obviously Canada has that, and you know other other managers, other countries are, are noticing that. I think that is valuable now. Is it so valuable that it's going to get you out of the World Cup group stage? I don't think so, but um, I can definitely see Canada. I wouldn't be surprised if they beat Morocco. I put it that I'll put it that way. I don't think it's it's a shoe in by any means, but mm-hmm. I think there's enough talent there. I think Herdman is tactically savvy enough to to come up with a game plan that gives Canada a chance at winning that game, and then whatever happens against Belgium and Croatia, I think that's those are. Uh, measuring stick games to see how how far off the pace we really are. So I think to that point too, uh, I'm curious to see how well they can deal with the noise as well, because not that they'll hear the noise from here, but there's been a lot of like um, commotion about uh, players and, and paying and all these other things that are happening with like Mm -hmm. rights of jerseys, et cetera. So I don't know how, um, how much that cohesion can, endure following a lot of like weird um yeah a, lo- a lot of weirdness that came from the summer onward with the with that squad so i'm not saying that they don't still have the cohesion etc but it was definitely uh from when they qualified to um going into you know friendlies etc there was it almost feel felt different um but again not to take away from from their abilities and and uh the potential that the team might have. I just think that that might be something that, that could also, again, if we're talking about Portugal and noise, we might as well talk about Canada as well. Yeah, that's, that, that's fair. I think, or at least I would hope that the noise that was happening in the Canadian camp is behind almost. Yeah, yeah. For now. And then 
you know, maybe it's one of those things that once the tournament is done and the dust is settled, then, you know, that noise comes back around, but right. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's exciting. I mean, I, you can say we're, we're kind of four years ahead of schedule, right? Cause the expectation mm-hmm. was that we would just make the 2026 event as a host. So, uh, I think these are three three bonus games, like I said earlier, to kind of see where where we're at, where we're at, excuse me, and how much work there is left to do to kind of be one of those countries that can consistently qualify. Yeah, three bonus games before the knockout stage. Yes, where they will go all the way. <laughs> Imagine Argentina versus Canada. If there's ever been a sixteen nothing game, <laughs> that's the one. Oh god. Uh, okay, I think that's it then. Uh, have we mentioned what we're gonna do for for the World Cup? Uh, what are we gonna do for the World Cup? Maybe we're gonna we're gonna talk about we're gonna th- consider again our our options and coverage, right? Yeah, we'll try and get uh, some post game chats in. Might not be the day of, but. Yeah, Good I think enough. again, well, we have Canada follow. We have, yeah. I'm sure, lots of storylines, you know, with lots of other city app players and stuff too. So it's there's enough there, I think, that we'll we'll we'll, we'll be able to manage content wise. So, uh, yeah, I think it's I think it's Serb, yeah, I think it's Serbia that has I want to say 11 city app players. That's incredible. Yeah, I, I hope I'm not off by too much, but I thought that's what I saw. So no, that uh, that would make sense. It would make yeah. sense. Great. Any last notes? What do we got? Julian. Um, hold on. Come back to me. I got <laughs> Chris. Um, yeah, no, just quickly. Um, today and I want to say late last week, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, Canadian women's national team played, uh, I guess you can call it a double header against uh, Brazil. Uh, so they lost 2-1 today. And uh, the other game, which was Friday, um, they won 2-1. So, um, yeah, doubleheader. Um, there were a couple of younger and newer faces there for Bez- Bev Priestman uh, to evaluate. A couple uh, players like Vanessa Jill, uh, Janine Becky were out or stayed home with uh, injuries, I believe. So, uh, no, good for them to get some games in. And uh, they'll have, uh, I guess, the World Cup will be 20 uh, 2023 for them. I hope I didn't get that wrong. Um, so world cup squads to, to be announced for, for them in, I guess a couple of months. Yeah. 2023, Australia, New Zealand. That's the one. Yeah. All right. Juliano. Yeah. I still got nothing. <laughs> a Forza. E- oh no. They're not going to Forza Canada. Yeah. All right. Forza Canada. Yeah. I'm uh, I think it'll be, It'll be fun. It'll be weird, uh, obviously, to watch uh, a World Cup at this time of the year. But at least it's, you know, I think we've all been starved for this kind of, like, tournament. I mean, obviously, the Euros happened, and that was great. But, like, it's just, I, I, missed, I missed this during the summer. I wanted, I wanted this during the summer. Um, but, again, we suffered through no, no culture in the summer for this. So now we get to enjoy it. For a month, uh, we have the best on best on best in theory. Yeah. Should be fun. Yeah. Heroes will be made at this world cup. <laughs> put, you put a pin in that. Well, let's see what happens. Milan Borean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
Uh, okay, that's it for uh, us. So, uh, yeah, we will be back uh, on a somewhat uh, infrequent schedule, but uh, we will for sure notify uh, the listeners, the good, fine listeners, when we know uh, on uh, kind of how we'll cover it. But I, I think more or less, again, ex- when Canada's playing, expect some sort of um, some sort of coverage. Uh, and then, again, have... Uh, other than that, enjoy enjoy the World Cup if if you miss our shows, uh, and then Syria uh, is of course back in January, um, January fourth. I think is is the mass kickoff with all the teams again. So, uh, with that, uh, until next time, thanks for listening. Follow us on our socials at RTW Calcio on both Instagram and Twitter, and uh, we'll see you when you see you. All right, thanks for listening. Bye.